Welcome to the next episode of Dark History. Here we talk about the things you don't necessarily learn in the classrooms, the very bad things that have happened in the past. Today's episode is on Chernobyl, the Ukrainian nuclear disaster, and what chemical radiation does to the human body. All right, so welcome back, Ms. Coles. Hello, Ms. Ezard. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Doing really well. Excited to be here. Good, good. Ms. Coles, this is your second time back. Um, why did you decide to come back? Well, I'm really excited about your program that you have going, doing these podcasts, and I salute you for that, and I just wanted to encourage you and impart any knowledge I might have on your subject. Thank you. And Ms. Ezzard, why are you here? This is your first time coming on, and when I asked you, you were very reluctant to come on. That, um, that is a true statement. I'm here because you asked me. That's very true. All right. <laughs> that's the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that works. Um, okay, so this episode is on Chernobyl, like I said, the Ukrainian disaster, and I have a little fun fact for you. I've actually been to Ukraine. Uh, when I was nine years old, my mom and I took a trip to Ukraine um, just to visit um, some orphans that we were sponsoring. Um, and it was probably one of the worst experiences I have ever had. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Why's what that? It, what made it... Uh... A bad um, experience. It was just, it was hot. It was during the summer. It was very, very poor um, because it's it, at the time it was under um, Russian power. I don't know if it still is. Um, and while coming back, um, my mom and I actually were questioned inside the airport um, because they thought we were American spies. Tiny little three foot tall Sarah Nerwinsky. Um, was a Russian spy, or um, American spy, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> Not everyone can tell that story, so that is... Yes, yeah, it's a special it's a one. a fun life experience. It is. It's absolutely... It was great. <laughs> anyway, so Chernobyl was a nuclear explosion. Um, many people died or fleed. I think it was about 30 people that died. You can still visit it. Um... But you can't really live in it without having some detrimental um, side effects. It happened in 1986. There's a dome to protect um, the radiation inside of Chernobyl. And it's there because if the buildings collapse, then the radiation inside of the dome, if it were not there, would leak out and destroy the environment and animals inside the area. So that's all I know about it. Miss um, Coles, can you tell me a little bit more about um, the history of Chernobyl? Just like a summary of the disaster. Sure. Yes. Well. Being a history teacher, Chernobyl is actually occurs actually towards the end of the Cold War. Okay, the Cold War started directly after World War II when the United States and the Soviet Union uh, became um, competitors as far as who could build the most powerful nuclear weapons and the most of them as well. Unfortunately, what occurred then is since they were both working alone against each other, both of us, okay, both 
the United States and the Soviet Union really became isolated with their own nuclear programs. And as you know, a lot of times, you know, two heads are better than one, uh, that sort of things. But with working alone is really what caused this disaster, you know, in at Chernobyl. Um, it was really the result, I got this off of the World Nuclear Association website, it was really the result of a flawed nuclear um, reactor design that was operated with inadequately trained personnel. And on the day that the accident occurred, two people actually died on that day at the scene. And further uh, later on, 28 people died within a few weeks as a result of the acute radiation poisoning. So, you know, like I said, the idea that the Soviet Union was working in isolation on uh, creating their nuclear weapons, so was the United States. It really was just a recipe for disaster that eventually one side was bound to have a terrible accident. And, you know, as you know, we already had had our terrible accident back in the 70s at Three Mile Island. And it was just really a matter of time when you're working with those sort of, um, you know, chemicals and that sort of nuclear program. You know, anything that is run by humans, you're eventually going to have an accident. And that is exactly what happened. That's what I know of the accident. I also, as I know I shared with you briefly in class, I can remember this happened in, in April of 86. My social studies teacher at the time was a man named Mr. Costello. He was an assistant football coach also at my school, Shawnee High School. And I remember coming in um, after the weekend, after the accident. And because it was still during the Cold War, there was a almost a sense of... Uh, how do I want to put it, satisfaction that the Soviets had had this accident um, because at that time still we were in the Cold War even though Reagan at the time was working towards trying to end it uh, it still very much was still in existence and there was, I felt almost a sense of satisfaction among Americans that something like this had happened to the Soviets after we had had Three Mile Island you know, occur uh, in Pennsylvania so that that's what I remember about it, Sarah Right, cool, that's really cool to experience something like that. Ms. Ezzard, did you experience something like that? I know that you um, also witnessed Chernobyl um, falling. Yeah, so I was uh, in eighth grade in 1986, and uh, my recollection of it um, is different than Mrs. Cole's. I just remember it being a really sad situation. Um, in terms of in school, I don't really, I don't really recall any, actually any major talk about it. Right. at school and in terms of feeling satisfied my personal feeling at the time was that's really too bad mm -hmm. so two different sides to it yeah it's interesting because we have um, an eight-year-old, and how old were you? I was then, I was 17, so I was also in high school. And you had that, like, teenage edginess there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think high school teachers will talk about it on a more realistic way, perhaps maybe than an eighth-grade yeah. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So we briefly talked about nuclear fallout and um, the nuclear disaster. Ms. Ezzard, what exactly is nuclear fallout? Okay, so I'm really new at this. This totally is not my uh, forte here. But uh, when you're dealing with fission, uh, it's uranium-235, and it degrades into cesium-137 and stromium-90. You get a lot of heat and radiation from that. Gamma, alpha, and beta particles are released, and when they get into your body, they ionize your electrons, and then anyway, that can cause cancer. So the nuclear fallout would be any of the radiation in and around you. At least that's my understanding. Okay. So, 
it causes cancer, it causes uh, pretty bad mutations, then, correct? Uh, well, um, I, I, would, I think I need more data for that. The, um, yeah. Originally, you have like acute radiation syndrome, so it's radiation sickness. Mm-hmm. You, uh, in, in a few days or in days, you have nausea and vomiting. Uh, within weeks, you have infections, bleeding, and dehydration, and then you either recover or you die. Uh, but long-term effects, it seems to be um, uh, mutations in your thyroid gland, and you tend to have thyroid cancer, which is survivable. So that's uh, not too many. Not, there's not too much data that I came across that would re- that would indicate that you get three legs or five yeah. eyes or things like that. So. Yeah. I know that I've seen in um, pictures that a lot of animals have mutated um, to adapt to the environment. And that's something to look at. Um, for those of you listening, you should really like check that out. A lot of it's really, really cool. So what I've read in terms of the environment mm-hmm. is that the whole area around uh, Chernobyl is actually doing really, really well with its animal uh, population. There's a lot of biodiversity because humans are not there to cause more destruction. That's, so that is, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's magnificent, just how they are able to adapt and be completely fine without people around. Um, so, Ms. Coles, you are a history teacher. What does this symbolize to you as a teacher? Well, it's interesting because Chernobyl, uh, the accident that occurs in 1986, uh, happens within a year of President Reagan, who worked, you know, very closely with Gorbachev of the Soviet Union, um, to stop the production as, uh, of nuclear weapons and the amount that were being produced. And it's just interesting to think that this all happened and how symbolic it is that once Gorbachev and the Soviet Union have this terrible accident, it's just a matter of time. It, you know, just a few years later that, um, Gorbachev eventually will allow the the Berlin Wall to come down in 1989. So it's interesting to think the role possibly that the Chernobyl accident had as far as a reality call or a wake-up call to Gorbachev, you know, as to, okay, exactly where are we going competing with with the United States with these nuclear weapons? You know, has it done more harm than good? And I can't help but think that Chernobyl, in my opinion, did something for Gorbachev and the Soviet Union to say, you know what, we have to lighten up on our, you know, nuclear development and, you know, focus on other things. And sure enough, within three years after Chernobyl, the Soviet Union has a democratic revolution. The Berlin Wall comes down and the Soviets start their democratic revolution and uh, become democratic, which is ironic. So I always say to myself whenever anything happens to me, everything happens for a reason. And I'm kind of putting that together with this. If this if this event, Chernobyl, did not happen, we would be at a very different place all around the world, is what you're saying. That, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Do I know that for sure? No, but I do. Th- I think it's very ironic that Chernobyl happens in 86, and then Reagan's really able to work with Gorbachev, and within a few years, Gorbachev is, you know, turning the Soviet Union around, and eventually the democratic revolution takes over there. Right. Ms. Izzard, um, a lot of people do visit, um, and they can't really live there because there's still a lot of radiation, but the people who do visit, are they in any sort of danger? 
They're in danger if they go inside the uh, the building, the dome where the uh, reactor is actually contained. Um, but going around the area, it's really not it's really not so bad, and the life is um, thriving. There are uh, several inhabitants of the area that came back to the area a year after the incident. Um, this one, the, the wife just died a couple years ago, but he's still thriving there. He's 88 years old and he's fine. So, um, so that's interesting. And um, they're actually, the government's considering farming in the area, which they have to collect more data because you know, personally as a consumer, I would not want to eat food that has been grown in the yeah. Chernobyl area. Um, so. so in the near future, can people start to go back and live there uh, without any harm? Is that what you're saying? Well, any harm, that's hard to say, but they are absolutely looking into um, repopulating the area. So. That's fantastic. I would have yeah. never guessed that. I thought it was still a very radioactive place. Well, the dome seems to be doing all right, but yeah. apparently underneath the dome there's this thing called an elephant's foot, right. and it's uh, burning down. Mm-hmm. That's So where there's a concern that the contamination will get into the water system, yeah, uh, into the aquifers, and then that would be not good. The elephant's foot, that's um, the entire thing that happened, right? It, um, it exploded and all of the contents of the thing started leaking out. It's like under the dome. Yeah. Yes. That's, wow. All right. Yeah, that's scary. What's interesting to me is they, they kept this power plant going until like the year 2000, 2001. The other reactors were still up and running. So people worked there and survived. So That's cool. Yeah. Um, so there are several movies inspired by Chernobyl. One of them is the Chernobyl Diaries. Um, I have not watched that yet, but I've heard really good things. It's on my list of things to do. Um, there also are very popular links to Chernobyl, like the Hollywood Monster Zombies. A lot of zombies, um, are radioactive, from what I've seen in horror movies, um, which I guess could be linked to Chernobyl. So why do you think that the Hollywood monster zombie was linked to radiation? It's a question for the both of you. Um, Hollywood <laughs> likes to sensationalize. That's I was thinking the same thing, Mrs. <laughs> Ezzard. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's fair. That's, that's and it's, uh, I guess, something that's interesting to, you know, pop culture and would grab people's attention and get them to go watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right. So, um, I had to do this research on my own. Um, I think I started researching Chernobyl last year, maybe. And no one really talks about it. No one really teaches it. Would you guys teach Chernobyl if you had the chance? I know that um, you have to go by what the government says, but um, if you had the chance, would you? Yes, definitely. Actually, uh, the Chernobyl disaster and the Three Mile Island um, uh, meltdown also is included in our Cold War curriculum. Uh, unfortunately, some years we don't quite get to the 70s and 80s, right. um, just because as history goes on, more years have gone on since I've been teaching. And um, we don't always get there. But, yes, I absolutely feel it's important to 
uh, cover and in order to look at the consequences of, you know, what man makes is not always good for us. And as we see, nuclear weapons can have terrible consequences. You know, we make something that sometimes we don't realize, hey, this could ultimately destroy us. And uh, I think that's what Three Mile Island and Chernobyl sort of demonstrate to us. Right. Ms. Lizard, um, the same thing for you. Would you teach it? If well, it was- I, um, uh, no, not normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't teach it. I'll mention right. um, radioactive, uh, you know, uh, nuclear power plant disasters. Mm-hmm. But the one that I normally talk about would be the Fukushima disaster in right. 2011 in Japan following a earthquake and tsunami. Um, just because it's 2011, it might be more relevant to um, your age group, you know, high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, you might actually remember it. Yeah. Um, your parents talking about it. So, so in terms of relevancy, it may be in passing. Mm-hmm. So just like um, the oil um, disasters, I usually, my memory is Exxon Valdez, and then there's the Gulf uh, oil spill that I'm actually missing the actual name of. Uh, that would be more relevant to your generation. Yes, I think so. I remember Fukushima just a little bit. Um, I was 10 at the time. I, I only vaguely remember it, though. But I think stuff with more relevancy would probably work for your class because it's not history-based, it's biology-based. Whereas, Miss Cole's your history teacher. It's kind of your job to go over history. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode of Dark History. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Our next episode will be on John Benet Ramsey. Thank you, Ms. Ezzard and Ms. Coles, for being in today's episode. You're welcome. Good luck to you with all your future podcasts. Thanks for having me. No problem. It was really, really fun. We hope you all have a great day. And remember, not only does history repeat itself, but dark history repeats itself.